Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Well, we're back. We're doing another episode. <laughs> Speaking of episodes. Yeah. We just watched the last episode of yeah. something. Yeah, okay. we did. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Alone. Uh-huh. If but... anybody out there doesn't know about this reality show, there's many seasons now. We've watched, how many seasons have we watched? Uh, well, four. I've only watched three. I think you watched one with the kids. So okay, you watched four, four or five. I've seen four or five uh -huh. seasons of Alone. And we've kind of skipped around because somebody said I had to watch season whatever it was, eight or nine. I don't know how many seasons there are. I watched a later season. So if you don't know the show, these people go out into the wilderness alone. They have no camera crew. They have to do all the filming themselves. So they're sent with cameras. And it's a contest. Ten people go out into a certain part of the world's wild areas or places and... They have to survive. They have no food. They have to live off the land. They have like one or two tarps they have to build a shelter with. And they all get 10 tools or pieces of equipment. Yeah, that... I was actually reading about this last oh, night yeah? on the website. You didn't tell me. So, yeah, the tarps count in that 10. Oh, it does? Mm -hmm. Oh. Like their cooking pot, their fishing line. Oh, wow. Their fire starter rod thing. Right. All those account in their 10 items. Yeah, clothing doesn't count yeah, as, clothes as part count. of their 10 That's items. True. And maybe some emergency things like a life vest or um, right. or first, first aid, aid kit, supplies right. don't count. No. But they have, to, they have to survive off the land, and it's a contest as to who can stay out the longest. And you don't know if others have tapped out. They all have a GPS phone, and they can tap out at any time, but you don't know if others have tapped out. So you could... You yeah, know. as they're staying there, they don't have any perspective on how many others are right. also still out with them. Right. So we went back and watched with our two youngest kids the whole of the first season. We had not seen that because we had skipped around. And we just a couple nights ago found out who stayed out the longest. We really liked this guy. What was his name? Alan. Alan. Mm -hmm. Alan, yeah, he is a he was a character. Uh, he would do funny, goofy things in his camera, and yeah. it was just fun. So, if you're looking for a fun, family friendly um, adventure series, yeah, check out Alone. We yeah. have enjoyed it. the The most you're going to get in terms of maybe some uh, questionable little kid with little kids is like chopping fish heads off and yeah, or stuff like that. Um, but that's and uh, one of the things that's inspiring about it is that people in their solitude reckon with themselves. Yes, they do. That is inspiring. What yeah. was that guy's name? Lucas, we really mm -hmm. liked on season one, yeah. who who tapped out. He was the third to last to tap out and was out in the woods for like 47 days or yeah. something. And he had some really profound reflections about who he is and... Uh, and he also, he was one of the guys who would, would pray, wasn't he? Uh-huh. Uh Thanking the Lord. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was moving. Yeah. Anyway, we like to pass along stuff that blesses <laughs> us in that regard. So. Yes. And sometimes, you know, I, I think as I'm watching these things, how 
utterly incapable of doing any of it. I am how weak I am. And I just feel such, I'm so impressed with these people. I love the outdoors and I could go for a long extended backpacking trip, but not living off the land. I couldn't. You you, you bring food along. I would bring food along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I could manage it that. It is amazing. Do you have any updates from the TOB Institute? Yes, I want to encourage everybody. We are filling up on our pilgrimage to France. We are doing a river cruise, and we are half full on that boat. We are going to have the whole boat just to ourselves. So if you've heard us talk about this in the past, and you've been on the fence, you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe I well, It's filling up, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, this is for October. October of 2023. of 2023, Wendy and I will be going, and our dear friends J Jason and Jeanette Clark. Jason is the executive director of the Institute, and his wife Jeanette is on our faculty at the Institute. So the four of us will be leading this retreat and this pilgrimage. We're going to follow in the footsteps of uh, Therese, the little flower, and our ultimate destination is to go to Le Sioux. Lasur, sorry, Lasur, right? Lassure. Dang it! I get, I always, I, there, I got it mixed up right there. I get Therese of Lasur and Elizabeth Lasur. I get them mixed up in my head all the time. Well, they're unusual sounding. And it to just us. happened. It just uh, happened right it's there. It's actually, in my understanding, you say Lasur. Lasur, Lasur. But that's well, a pretty hard thing for Americans to say. <laughs> I feel embarrassed now. I'm I always sorry. get them mixed up. Okay. It's like my my friends Jen Settle and Jen Messing. I always get their last names like flipped in my brain. Oh, Jen and Jen, if you're listening, hi to you both. Sorry, I get your last names <laughs> flipped in my brain. Well, Lisieux, say it one more time. Lisieux. Lisieux. But going, anyway, that's you, don't where we're going. To, you don't have to be able to pronounce it, actually. Yeah, so good. that's the good, good thing. You're welcome to come regardless. So, um, yeah. We, and there's an added pilgrimage that we just put on uh, because there are re requests for it this year to go back to Mexico City. Mm. We've done that several times. I will not be leading that one. That will be with Jen Settle. Jen Settle. I not, got the not right to be Jen. confused with Jen Messing. No, it's Jen Settle. Jen Settle. And will be Father Benjamin. Right. And uh, yeah, they. I, I've been checking out what they've said about their the pilgrimage. It is this summer. It's June. In yep. June. June okay. something to something. Is that right? <laughs> That was profound, everyone. That was Did you profound. hear that? I know that the 17th is part of it, but I don't know if, if it's at the if beginning it's in the or middle the or the beginning or the end. But this, so, you get to check out the link. Yes, you'll, yes. You'll they're they're going to Mexico City. They're gonna travel through the footsteps of Saint Juan Diego and Our Lady of Guadalupe. So that'll be beautiful. Yes, it will. And let's go on with a question let's now. Let's do it. This is from a patron named Pam. Hello, Pam. Hi, Christopher and Wendy. I am a high school theology teacher. Bless you, bless you, bless you. <laughs> Two of my students recently made the comment that, quote, the soul is more important than the body, end quote, in discussing the importance of the sacraments. My instinct was to push back on that a little, but I think they are right in that the state of the soul is of more concern than the state of the body when it comes to eternal life. But the body is the vehicle through which invisible realities are communicated. How would you explain the importance of the body in relation to the soul 
and the sacraments. Pam, that's good. Good on you, girl. That uh, you're pressing in, and the very fact that you have the sensitivity to say, "Okay, how how do we express this correctly?" is is very very astute of you and appropriate, especially for a theology teacher such as yourself. When I was going through Catholic school, there was still a lot of leftovers, and maybe there still is out there in Catholic schools, leftovers from a, a cl- kind of platonic influence that had crept into the church that had this really um, strict division or distinction between the body and the soul, as if the body had no importance whatsoever, and it's only the soul that matters. You know, expressions like Jesus came to save souls, there's a proper way to understand that, and then there's a dualistic, heretical way to understand that, as if he doesn't care about our bodies. No, Jesus came to save human beings, and human beings are a marriage of body and soul, Mm. right? There is a priority, that that's a good word to use, there is a priority to the spirit uh, in the human being, a priority, um, a fundamentality, if you will, to the spirit. But that does not mean the body is inconsequential. The prior, prior, uh, a priority means there's something about it that is, is first, first in uh, in significance, first in depth of meaning. Uh, but again, we can't understand it apart from its unit, the soul's unity with the body. Uh, Thomas Aquinas says, the souls in heaven are in an inhuman state awaiting the resurrection of the body, because the truth of our humanity is not a soul in a body, it's the embodied soul, right? It's the it's the spiritualized body. We we are a union, a marriage of body and soul. The Catechism has a line in it that says, it is the soul that especially reveals the image of God. So there's that kind of priority, but the Catechism uses the word especially. That is the soul that especially reveals the image of God, but the body also shares in the image of God. So, it's kind of the, you know, the unity of body and soul. I once heard a priest describe it like a, a chocolate and vanilla twisty cone. Like there's a distinction between the chocolate and the vanilla, but they're so intertwined that you can't parse them out, right? And and the separation of body and soul at death is not normal. It is not natural. It was never meant to happen, right? When we're trying to live a spiritual life divorced from our bodies, guess what we are? We're dead, because that's the definition of death, the separation of the spiritual and the physical, the body and the soul. But back to this question, Pam, about the sacraments, right? The sacraments make no logical sense if the body has no importance, right? God God reaches us with the divine life through the stuff of this physical world and through our bodily encounter with the stuff of this physical world. Every sacrament is a bodily, physical reality. We bathe the body with water. We anoint the body with oil. In ordination, a bishop lays his hands Hmm. on another man's body. 
When we go to confession, you can't go to confession over the internet. You can't be absolved from your sins over a, a telephone. You have to be body to body, person to person. It's communicate the absolution of our sins. We must confess them with our lips. Or if you're mute, you have to, you know, sign language with your body. You have to confess your sins one way or another with your body. And you are absolved through the body of that priest. And then we have, of course, marriage, which is the union of a man and woman in one body. And then we have the source and summit of all of the sacraments where we eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ. What is the importance of our body? What is the importance of the body in the sacramental life? It's the source and summit of the sacramental life, the human body. The human body that was Christ's body, which is our body, right? Whose body did, what kind of flesh did Christ take on? Human flesh. That human flesh, that human body became the source and summit of the entire sacramental life. So yes, there is a certain priority to the soul. Uh, it is the soul that makes us especially the image of God. But never in isolation, never in any way that's cut off from the body, because human nature is the marriage of body and soul. And I am convinced that this emphasis on the spirit sometimes in, in, in a, a kind of rupture from the body, if I can just live a spiritual life and not have to worry about my body, John Paul II himself calls that a loophole to avoid the requirements of the gospel. Because the requirements of the gospel is integration, right? Mm. The integration of body and soul. And the integration of body and soul is a much more arduous journey than the rupture of body and soul. Right? If I can eschew my body and just try to live a spiritual life, well, then really I'm, I'm not dealing with my real humanity, and I'm not really entering into the Paschal mystery. Uh, it is His body and blood that saves us, and it saves our body and blood. Uh, St. Paul calls Christ in his letter to the Ephesians the Savior of the body, and in his letter to the Romans he says, all of creation... The whole physical universe is groaning as in the pains of a woman in labor, waiting for us, human beings, the crown of creation, to say yes to the redemption of our bodies. Mm. I hope something in that whole potpourri of what I just spouted out there was of, of value. <laughs> I'm just going to stop on that word you said, potpourri. And I just want to tell you that a potpourri <laughs> is a pleasing mixture okay. of different ingredients that together make something more wonderful than they would be on their own. Oh, so good. you said it like it was a negative, but I want you to know well, it was I just a positive. sometimes wonder. I get in my little, <laughs> pull out my theological files, and I start going on and on and on, and you I hope not. it's coherent. It was good. good. And I think one of the things I would... Uh, for high school students, I thought that quote you gave from Aquinas about um, souls in heaven being in an inhuman in state. state. If that quote could like sink in, yeah, that could be so helpful in answering this. You also affirmed the priority of the spirit, and yet I 
feel like that, just that understanding that's inhuman to be separated from the body is so enlightening. Yeah, yeah. It makes so much sense of it all. Yeah. If we are only spirit, we're angels, right? Uh, if we're only bodies, we're animals. We are this marriage of the spiritual and the physical. We are this marriage, if you will, of the angelic and the animal. So I sometimes jokingly say we're, we're angels, mm -hmm. right? Thomas Aquinas says also, the soul is not me. Uh, I am not merely my soul. Mm -hmm. The soul is an aspect of me, uh, but I am, my identity is the marriage of body and soul. Mm -hmm. And man, does the world have this I mean, what we're what we're dealing with, and all the craziness of the gender confusion, and and uh, men thinking they're women and women thinking they're men, and this idea that that um, I could be biologically this, but spiritually something else. What are we dealing with there? We're dealing with the rupture of the spiritual and the physical, and it is literally death dealing. A culture of death, by definition is a culture that ruptures the body and the soul. And Catholicism, by definition, Christianity, by definition, is the religion of the marriage of the spiritual and the physical. That's what Christianity is. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go Throw on. that into your potpourri and smoke <laughs> it. <laughs> Wait, now you're confused. <laughs> You're like, hey, don't smoke, don't smoke potpourri. Don't smoke potpourri, please. Okay, now moving on. Question from Matthew. Hello, Matthew. <coughs> so, Hello. Oh, there was something wrong with my throat there. Hello, Matthew. Matthew says, um, your podcast and YouTube channel have been very influential in my discernment of the Catholic faith. Learning about theology of the body has opened my eyes to so much goodness. That is encouraging to mm -hmm. hear, Matthew. Thank you, brother. I'm currently going through a very difficult breakup. Oh, I'm sorry. Because of several complicated circumstances, my girlfriend and I broke up after over half a year of dating. What has made this so difficult for both of us is that we both desire to be together, mm. but know in our hearts that it is not in God's timing right now. Mm. We have talked since breaking up and want to leave the door open for the possibility of getting back together down the road. At the same time, we do not want to invest too much in this hope such that it prevents our own healing and growth at present. As a result, our future, whether together or apart, is uncertain, causing some inner confusion and pain. I truly love this girl, and I believe she loves me. This time has been very painful for me. My heart aches deeply to be with her and to grow with her in holiness. I'm trying to trust that God will lead us where he wants us to go, but I'm also so scared of losing her. Mm. What can I do with this hope and desire to be reunited with her and the fear of it not happening? How should I orient my heart in this time of separation and uncertainty? Matthew, you're sharing so uh, vulnerably just the human stuff of, of love and loss and hope and fear and I just want to commend you for being in touch with your own heart. It's mm -hmm. really encouraging. It's there. There aren't, and I'm I'm assuming maybe wrongly. I'm assuming Matthew's a young person uh, because he's at that stage. But you know, there are lots of people in their 40s and older who 
are maybe still discerning marriage, but you sound like a young person to me for, for some reason. And I'm, I'm just impressed that as a young person, if I'm right about that, you are so in touch with these movements of your heart. And, and that's the beginning of a rich, rich life of prayer. And my number one recommendation to you, Matthew, would be to turn all of those emotions, turn all of those feelings, turn all of those concerns, turn that battle going on in your heart, turn every aspect of it into a prayer. And how do you do that? Just like you wrote this out in your question to us, I'd invite you to write it out, and even in more detail, and and there's I'm sure there's plenty of things here that are private that you didn't share with us, but you can share all that with the Lord. I find journaling such a helpful exercise in just getting what's going on in my heart out and presented to the Lord. And of course, the Lord already knows what's in your heart. Uh, It's not that He benefits because, oh my gosh, He knows something new. No, no, rather we benefit by getting in touch with what's going on and by letting the Lord shine his light in those places, Uh, all of those emotions, those fears, those concerns, those questions, that loneliness, that desire to be together, the inability to be together now, the the hope that you will be together, the, the fear that you won't be together, and all of that stirs up, brother, open it up. It's prayer, and let the Lord speak to you right there. I'm, I'm reminded of just some my own emotions from uh, long ago. Um, I, I dated a girl for four years that I, I really thought I was going to marry, and uh, she ended up breaking up with me, and that was a shock to my system, a major shock to my system, and a surprise. And I remember I was leaving her apartment when she broke up with me. This was the summer of 1990. And and I was walking down these outside steps, like a fire escape steps on her apartment. And I saw before me like a, 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 a fork in the road, like a, one path went one way and another path went another way. And the one path said, trust me. And the other paths was just anger, confusion, rage. This is not what I wanted for my life. Um, and it ended in despair. And the, the path that started with trust ended in hope and glory and goodness. And I remember walking down those steps, and I had just, like, this bomb had just gone off in my life. And I remember saying, Jesus, I don't want this to happen. I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you. I trust you. It was a major, major step in my life in that moment to trust my life to Jesus. Do I regret having done that? Absolutely not. No. Has he proved himself trustworthy? Yes, he has. Uh, I you have nothing to lose in trusting. And and that's how, that's that will be opening all that stuff in prayer. That will be the fruit of your prayer. It will be, he's with me. He knows me. He loves me. I can trust him. 
You can, Matthew. You can, brother. Be not afraid. An image is, uh, that is not the first time I've had this image in my mind in praying about some things, but it, it's, a, it's a helpful one for me that I want to share with Matthew and with his girlfriend. Um, sometimes when it's, it's a gardening image. So um, there are some plants that grow from bulbs that... Say that word one more time. Bulbs. Oh, I like the way you said that. Thanks. Say it one more time. No. <laughs> That in my experience, like I've planted flowers that you stop laughing at me. That was that was really good. Thanks. I, I liked your like forceful no. I like that. Okay. You stood up to me. That was good. I wanted something and you didn't want to give it. And you said no. I like that. Sorry, I'm so I'm so interrupting your answer. I'm done. Please continue. <laughs> so I've planted flowers that you have to plant them in the fall. And then they, they stay in the ground and they, they don't actually produce flowers until the winter has passed and the spring has come. And that's when you see them grow and then the flowers blossom. And I just share that image because it often is helpful to me in prayer um, for myself or people I love when there's something intense that we can't yet see what is God going to do do with this. It's intense. I think of that, the power and energy that's stored in that bulb and the imagery from um, Christ's parable of seed being scattered on soil. And I kind of put those things together in my mind and I, I just identify this prayer intention or this experience, like this relationship with that which is being planted in the soil. And I, I give it to the Lord to plant it in the soil of my heart and to trust him that mm. he's tending it over this time of being hidden, that he knows what he wants to grow forth from it and that I'm not in charge of making that happen. And so just a certain surrender that that has and a certain sense of the great potential, but, but trusting that the Lord is the one in charge of the seasons of my life, of things that are going on that I can see and things that I can't see, and allowing Him to be the one that brings about that beauty and goodness that He wants, and to trust that what He wants really is what is best. I think that is just a a helpful way of looking at these kinds of things. So I pray that for you, Matthew, and for your girlfriend, your former girlfriend, that in each of your hearts, the the bulb, so to speak, of this relationship you've had would be planted by the Lord in the soil, that he would bring the life forth from it that he desires that is best for both of your stories, and that that in this time, whether you're aware or not, he is at work. Wendy, that is a powerful image. Uh, I want to pray into that a little bit for, for Matthew and this woman who's so dear to him. Uh, so I'll just offer this for you, Matthew, and for this, this very dear woman. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Matthew, for his love for this woman, for her love for him. You know oh so well the circumstances of their lives and their desire to be faithful to what you are doing, that in love for one another, they're taking this time apart. You know the risk that that is, the fear that that can create. We ask, Lord, that 
this bulb of your plan for their lives in this time of being unknown what shape it'll take or how it will blossom. We pray that that bulb would be nourished by the soil of, of your spirit, uh, breathing life into that bulb and working its inner workings to bear the fruit that you want it to bear. And I ask that Matthew and this dear woman in his life would, would have that trust and open surrender to that plan, uh, accepting that this is the season, that they don't see what's coming, but your plan will be revealed and it will be more beautiful than they can even imagine right now. Amen. Amen. I, I just want to let our listeners into this little thing that you and I have, that, that whole bulb thing. Bulb. Bulb, right? <laughs> so to our listeners out there, there's Wendy has this way of pronouncing certain words that I really like. And whenever she does, I'll say, ooh, can you say that again? <laughs> so that's what that was about. But you, I had never really... Bulb is not like un, in the, the list. That no, was a new one. That's I'd true. Like, can, I, can I hear it just one more time? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move Please, on. Please, one more time. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I have a question from a listener is, here. Is the word bulb in this next no. question? No. Okay. Okay. Eloise is asking this Hello, question. Hello, Eloise. Hi, Christopher and Wendy. Thank you for all the work you do to bring TOB to the world. I've been listening to Christopher's talks since the days of Naked Without Shame. Wow, that's a long time ago. Uh-huh. My mom would play your CDs in the car during school pickup and drop off, and I feel like you had a massive impact on me when I was growing up. Uh, it's like you're a part of our family. So thank you for your uh, work. My question is for Wendy. All right. <laughs> my boyfriend and I are soon to be engaged, and I'm so excited. He is an amazing man of God, and I can't wait for him to be the father of our children. I've always had a desire to be a mother and have looked forward to having children since I was a young girl. But now that things are finally becoming more real, and I know that, God willing, engagement, marriage, and motherhood are around the corner, I suddenly feel scared. Mm. I feel like I constantly hear from women about how hard motherhood is. I hear about women who, despite loving their kids, actually regret motherhood because of everything they lost. Mm. I'm scared I won't have what it takes to be a selfless and loving mother, and I feel like I'm going to miss the life I have now. I'm also scared of losing the bond I have with my husband. I've heard that children can take a huge toll on a marriage. I know that we're called to embrace our cross, offer up our suffering joyfully, lose our lives in order to gain eternity, but I can't ignore that it's a huge mountain to climb, and I don't know if I have what it takes. Can you offer any words of wisdom or encouragement on motherhood? So I think I'm going to start first. Oh, right. Just to have throw we ever off, done this? I don't know, but here we are. Here we are. Because like she this. said I'm it was a question. Sit back and listen. <laughs> from me. And so I just want to speak to you, Eloise, about this. I I think there's a lot of factors in what you're sharing with us about your feelings right now. And you're very human, very real, um, very normal. And I'll just share this thing with you. I also had a deep, deep desire to be a mother from a very young age. Just couldn't wait to hold those babies. I think I tried to change my younger sister's diaper when she was like 
two when I was three. Like I was, I was ready. <laughs> Let me be the mom. Um, and yeah, babysitting and talking with moms and just loving it all. So I, I can relate to the genuine, just joyful excitement about that. Interestingly, during my pregnancies, I, I often had anxiety dreams about, um, for me, it was about failing in my responsibilities as mm. a mother. So like the very fact of someone being that dependent on me, I think suddenly the reality of that would just cause me anxiety that would come out in, in dreams of my babies being in the hospital or other things that were, you know, very concerning. So I can relate to both having excitement and joy and also anxiety about it all. Um, and I, I do want to encourage you that um, some of the things you're hearing from other mothers are under, understandably reason for pause. We're all fallen human beings on a journey. So all these people who are have said these different things and and maybe it's only a few people, but they had a big impact on you, what, what they said. They are going through the seasons of life that God intends for their growth as human beings. I think sometimes we have this expectation that we grow up into adulthood, and then our job is just to kind of mm, be in the relationships earn the money that we need to have the fun we want to have. <laughs> that can be kind of the message that of the images and the stories in our culture, that that's what our lives are about. And, and in fact, our, our lives are about a journey of ever growing in maturity, in spiritual growth, journeying through stages with the Lord that he wants to take us through step by step, that we can't plot everything out about that story because it's going to have unknowns and twists and turns that the most important promise to hold on to is Jesus's promise. I will never leave you. See, he's, he's with us always in every stage of our lives. And so I think some of when we are preparing for such an important step in our journey. What could be more important than marrying the person that you're going to share the rest of your life with that's going to determine so much of the next stages of your story? When we're there, we can suddenly feel anxiety. What if it's not as I've hoped and dreamed it would be? Reality, it, it won't be quite as we've hoped and dreamed it would be. Because the only sure thing is Christ with us in all that happens and unfolds. So I can tell you that that is the most helpful thing of any advice, to realize that that's his promise, that he never leaves us, and that he's leading us on a journey, that the purpose of our life is not just to find that which the experiences that we most enjoy and keep having those experiences. That's, that's a false image from the culture. He has so much more in store for us, so much depth and so much grace and so much purpose that comes with the unique human beings that you and your future husband are and the unique human beings of your children, of your work and your mission in life as you discover it. All of that is just linked to that 
first step of saying the Lord is with us and will never leave us. I love just sitting here and listening, Wendy, to your thoughts and reflections, and it just stirred so many memories for me of our journey together and raising five kids together. And there is a certain, from, a, from one angle, it is insanity. To, if, it is insanity that two people are, are put in charge by God of another human life. Mm. And then another human life. And for us, another one, and another one, and another one. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, with a little perspective, our oldest is 25 now, our youngest is 14. I, I look back and I, th I look back at what we did and I'm like, what the, what? I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing at all. I mean, uh, maybe that's an overstatement, but I feel that way sometimes when mm -hmm. I look back. Like, oh my gosh, Lord, you entrusted these unrepeatable human beings to us. And we are broken, wounded people, and it's a crazy phenomenon. And yet, and yet, in all the sacrifices, in all of the sufferings, in all of the sicknesses, in all of the trips to the hospital for stitches, or I re remember when our third, Beth, fell down the basement steps and I was out of town and it was a snowstorm and the ambulance couldn't get up our driveway, and I'm on the other side of the country, and you're panicking and frantic because our nine-month-old daughter can't breathe. I mean, just this is this litany of memories of trials mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. sufferings and sacrifices and kids getting croup, and oh my gosh, it's a lot, and struggles with school and struggles with the temptations of the culture, and just on and on and on and on. But the joys, the way it, 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 it frames your life and the purpose it gives and the love that you share and the, the, the joy that we have in these children uh, and the, 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 all that life is, is present in raising children. And all that life is will be a combination of joys and trials, agonies and ecstasies. And you can't predict any of it. You can't know what any of it will really mean. But you venture into it with faith and with trust that this is God's plan, this is God's design. And, and I was struck by something that she said that, uh, that children would are, uh, you know, a certain mentality out there, say children take a toll on marriage. Was that the way she put it? Mm -hmm. Children yeah. take a toll on, yes, on marriage. Yes, a huge toll on marriage, she said. There's something in that expression that that makes children seem extrinsic. Like we're supposed to have this marriage thing over here. And oh my gosh, if we have children, they're going to take a bite out of, of mm. our little marriage pie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and I would say that's an, it's, I, I get that. I get that mentality. It's prevalent in our world. It's, it's kind of compelling um, in one sense, but, but it's a, I think it comes from a misunderstanding about marriage. Children don't take a chunk out of your marriage pie they are the fruit of your marriage pie they mm -hmm. the, the marriage the marriage is ordained and oriented by god towards the procreation and education of children and there cannot be there simply cannot be a contradiction between the joys of marriage and the joys of raising children 
and the trials of marriage and the trials of raising children. It's all part of what marriage is. It's not an extrinsic reality. And I'm, I'm just reminded in the world we live in, we can only conclude that it's extrinsic when we're looking at the world with what I call condom-colored glasses, with a contraceptive mentality. It's contraception that has afforded this illusion that, that marriage is its own thing unto itself, and, and, and then these children are, are, are a, a bite out of your, your, your marital life. I, I invite you to a, a, a different angle on that reality, a different perspective, that children are the natural, glorious, beautiful, agonizing at times, fruit of marital love, and that even the agony should not surprise us or threaten us or deter us. Because there we, what do we do when we exchange our wedding vows? We exchange our wedding vows right in front of an altar of sacrifice. That says something. Mm-hmm. And the invitation is love one another as I have loved you through the gift of yourself for others. If that's our paradigm going into marriage, sacrificial love, wow, then children will, will be the fulfillment of that calling. If our paradigm going into marriage is more focused on myself and my own desires and priorities and uh, just, you know, kind of pleasing my own self-centered desires, then children will be the absolute antithesis of that. Hmm. But this is part of God's plan, precisely to call us out of ourselves and learn the way of love, to learn the way of love. The purpose of marriage, the purpose of family life is to prepare us to be part of God's family in the marriage of the Lamb for all eternity. And it works. Mm. That's what it prepares us for. It does. I think, too, and just as a little closing comment, uh, this came to me um, to just ask Eloise specifically to take this concern to prayer. I know we often say that, and and. I know that you may have done that some, and there's, but there's probably more there that the Lord can show you. But ask Him if, if He wants to show you some way that this particular um, fear entered into your heart, Eloise. Because sometimes the, if something so good has been in our hearts as a desire, mm. and, and then we hear or, or witness something that seems to negate that good desire or steal it from or us steal yeah then then the lord wants to take us back to show us where that was in us so that he can he can heal that that very memory so i yeah, just share that as well that's a great insight wendy i'm reminded of what our friend father jim says about ask the lord for the instant replay mm. when did that fear enter your heart mm, yeah. and the lord can show you where that fear entered your heart, and you have the authority through your baptism to renounce that fear. Mm-hmm. And you just say, in the name of Jesus, I, I renounce that. I see it. Maybe the memory will come. You'll see where that fear entered, and maybe it'll be a, a, a collection of memories, maybe comments from other mothers, or maybe you witnessed other mothers having real struggles, and that's part of life, but a fear entered in there. 
ask for the instant replay and just pray a simple prayer. In the name of Jesus, I renounce that fear that entered my heart, and I ask you, Jesus, that your perfect love would cast out mm-hmm. that fear. We, we, we bless you, Eloise, in that journey. We're, we're honored that you submitted your question to us, and we hope that things we've shared uh, will, 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 will give you a frame of reference for, for moving forward with hope and with a, a reclaiming of that beautiful, holy, sacred desire for motherhood with all of its joys and all of its trials. Bless mm-hmm. you, Eloise. Bless you. Thank you, everybody, for, for tuning in today. Uh, I hope you've been blessed by what Wendy and I have shared. I would like to invite you, would you prayerfully consider, if you are not already a patron of the Theology of the Body Institute, would you click the link in the show notes just to learn more about it? We invite our patrons to to offer us $10 a month as a an ongoing patronage to help us do the work that we do here. We have a staff of 12 and um, just paying everybody a living wage is something we are called to and we need support of people who believe in what we're doing to enable this work to continue. So if you're feeling that little nudge from the Holy Spirit right now to join our patron community, would you, would you please click that link Uh, It goes a long, long way to enabling us to continue this work, and there's loads of benefits that we offer exclusively to our patrons. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, We love you all. We bless you all. Thanks for being part of this little family we have. It's not so little. We've got loads of people around, tens of thousands of people around the world who listen to us. So thank you so much. Until next time, know it in your bones. You are an indispensable irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift of life and love. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, A list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.